This is your Places Call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by our very favorite director, Lindsay Marin. Lindsay is an actor and the founder and artistic director of Pixie Dust Players, which is a performing arts company based in New Jersey that has produced over 60 productions, including numerous world premiere and pilot productions. Lindsay, we could not be more excited to have you on. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing great. well. It's been a weird week. The weather is funky, but you know, we're powering through. <laughs> it's what you got to do. We do what we got to do. I feel like all of the rain has just thrown me off so much and I don't know why. <laughs> it seems to never be ending. My phone, I accidentally seem to have gotten notifications from the weather channel. So I get notifications every like five or 10 minutes that like rain will be coming at 622. It's great. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it, it came at 618 too. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> gotta love it so if you've listened to our show before you know we start every episode with a 60 second life story so Emily's gonna hold up a timer and just tell us your life in 60 seconds this is always the most stressful part but then it's just right. scaling I'm gonna do my best all right yeah. you ready for this yes go for it <laughs> okay I saw my first show when I was three. It was Annie, and I was pretty much hooked from there. I started performing in my first show, also Annie, at age five, continued performing around New Jersey, also New York. Then at age 12, I formed my theater company, Pixie Dust Players. Um, then I was directing with that for years while also acting and going to school and stuff. And then I went to Northwestern and I did theater there, continuing to run Pixie Dust, came back from Northwestern, still running Pixie Dust, doing that full time. Also started directing at Melbourne High School. And I guess that's kind of it. I didn't even take a full 60 seconds. What did I leave out? I don't know. I that left a round Very yourself, speedy, but, but pretty comprehensive. It's succinct, but that was my like theater life story. I guess not my like life life story, but you know, that's what we're talking about, right? I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, three years old how do you even get into a show at three <laughs> well I was when I my mom took me to see my first show but I was she had gotten front row seats or like close to front row which she was really proud of and of course we got there and I was like this is too close I'm terrified so we had to like switch sheets with somebody um but we got through it and obviously I was hooked <laughs> I remember when I was little, like I would not let my parents get even orchestra seats. I was like, I need to be in the mezzanine because I was very overstimulated <laughs> getting too close. Yeah, I was very scared of Miss Hannigan, but again, we overcame that fear. You made it through and then it became full circle when that was your first show you were in. Yeah, I was also terrified for that too. My dad had to audition with me and it was also in my first several shows with me. Um, which I ended up then later directing him in a show, which was a full circle moment. But um, yeah, fear has started most of my processes, but I can really power through. <laughs> that is so, that's such a cool thing you've gotten to like share with your dad over the years. I guess, what has that kind of been like kind of sharing with your family too? Um, it's been pretty cool. And I think honestly, that's how I, have gotten to do all the things that I've gotten to do because my dad started acting with me way back when. Um, and then my mom was like, okay, well, they're both doing it. And then she started getting involved and um, helping with 
assistant directing or producing or all different kinds of elements. My brother started getting involved. Now my little brothers are involved. So theater has always just been like a huge part of our family. Incredible. So kind of flashing forward, you're acting from five years old on and then you hit 12 and something comes upon you and you say, you know, I'm going to start a theater company like all 12 year olds do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was preparing for my bat mitzvah. Um, and part of that is creating a mitzvah project. So like doing some sort of good deed. Um, and I was like, well, my passion is theater. So how can I use my passion to also help others? Um, so my idea was I want to share the magic of theater with those who might not be able to traditionally experience it. Um, so I started Pixie Dust as a group of six performers, like myself and five friends, and we put together a little like review style show and took it to nursing homes, children hosp children's hospitals, special education schools. Um, so that's always kind of been the foundation of Pixie Dust, and we've tried to do more of that over the years. Um, but anyway, that's how it began as for my bat mitzvah, and then it evolved from there. I think that it's that's one of the things that I love most about the company is just that foundation of just doing good and putting good into the world. I think that it really has stayed with the company just through the years, which is the coolest thing ever. That's the goal. <laughs> so you're kind of talking what inspires you to start that obviously started with Pixie Dust um, through your mitzvah project, but I guess, how did you kind of keep that going through so many years and maintaining that through high school and college and everything? Yeah. So after that, like original group, I, my mom at that point had been producing um, at a local theater and I wasn't involved in the show that they were doing that summer, but they had so many auditioners and so many kids that weren't cast at that time. There weren't nearly as many theater groups as there are today. I feel like every day there's like 10 new companies that pop up. Um, but back then there really wasn't a lot um, for kids to be doing. Um, so I offered to take some of the kids who would like just come for their very first audition and do an abbreviated version of the show with them just to kind of give them some more experience. They're better prepared for future auditions. Um, and that went really well. So then I ended up seeing there was a hole in the schedule in that winter. And so I offered to do another show, 101 Dalmatians, um, which is Jesse's first show. Um, and that went well. And then things kind of just kept going from there. So I kept doing shows in the summer and the winter, um, which is kind of how I balanced it with school. Uh, and eventually I took over the program there and then later moved to be doing it full-time once I was out of college. That's incredible. So how in high school, I guess, were you like, I, it's so weird to picture that, like <laughs> high school Lindsay directing, like incredibly, I'm sure. How did you sort of maintain that throughout your kind of high school years and maintain that presence and that artistry, I guess. Yeah, it was definitely interesting because in addition to going to high school and uh, directing, I was also going to like a performing arts school after school. So I was like dancing um, and taking classes most every day. Um, so I primarily directed in the summers and then the winters, although there are exceptions to every rule because off the top of my head, I'm thinking of a show I did in May. I don't know how I swung that one. Um, but 
yeah, I have always been very into time management. Um, so pretty much every, you know, from the moment I arrived at school, I was doing work. Any break I got, I was doing homework. I, um, during lunch, I was doing homework. Um, everything was kind of just about getting what I needed to get done done so that I could do what I wanted to be doing, which was theater. Um, so that's kind of always been how I've operated. I 1000% relate to that. <laughs> like the homework during lunch, that's a very clear image of me sophomore year when lunch was still a thing in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so now fast forward, you ended up studying at Northwestern University. So you ended up studying theater and psychology. Like what stands out to you most about your time at Northwestern? Um, I think the people that I met there and ended up um, becoming friends with and getting to work with there, um, probably seen out the most as well as like a few um, theatrical experiences. Um, but my reason for going to college and for wanting to go to college was to gain the experiences of like living on my own and getting to work with so many different people. Um, so I do think that I achieved that. Like I've kind of already been doing so much theater that like the college experience wasn't even necessarily what I was going after um, in terms of like classes and stuff. Those were great as well. But um, it was the chance to work with the other students that I got to and the teachers and directors, et cetera, um, while I was there that um, I think were the most memorable. And I mean, nowadays you've gotten to work with a lot of your college friends, which I think is so cool. Like the connections have really helped you throughout the years. Yeah, it's so funny if you look at like our staff right now, how many people <laughs> went to Northwestern. Um, and Jeff, I has lived around the corner my whole life, but I didn't actually know him until the first day of college. So wait, you and Jeff didn't meet pre-college. That's why we did not. We met literally the first day of college. We were in the same PA group, peer advisor group. We met day one insane for reference for people who are listening who maybe didn't hear our previous episodes um jeff is our music director over at pixie dust players um been involved in a ton of different shows with all of us i didn't know that you guys didn't know each other pre-college that's wild i know especially considering how close we actually live to one another but yeah no we did not i don't even think i knew of him like we had a lot of mutual friends but i did not know who he was that's wild well i guess brought you together Work yeah. together. It worked out in the end. <laughs> Here we are. So I guess what's kind of a favorite memory that you can share from your college experience that particularly stands out from those four years? Um, there are two. Well, my favorite like show experience was probably Little Women. I played Beth. Um, and I just love the show. I love the cast. I love the part. Um, we had the best costumes. They were like handmade for us. Um, so that was just like a great theatrical experience. Um, my other favorite memory, I think, is probably from freshman year, where I was a really overeager freshman. Um, but I think actually Jeff maybe talked about the whole like WAMU thing um, at Northwestern, but basically, there's a program where the students write a full book musical. Um, but prior to that, and I don't even think this exists in the exact same way anymore because it's always been evolving. But my year, there was a group of, I think, 12 students selected to be Watu, who like 
workshopped the music as it was being written prior to like the show actually being started. Um, long story short, one night I ended up running around the city of Evanston from apartment to apartment because I had volunteered to learn everybody's songs. So I, what I was going from one place to another, learning all of this different music. And I think ended up singing 10 different brand new songs in the next like meeting that we had the next morning or next day or something. But I like had gone to bed at 10 every night and I was out until like 2 a.m. trying to learn new music. So um, that is a memory that stands out of me. I also sang notes that I didn't know I could sing. It was a whole thing, um, but it was also very fun and I've always loved new work. So it was very exciting to me. Yeah, that sounds like, I mean, I could definitely see you doing that. Like volunteering oh, 1, one night. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can do another song. That's fine. Oh, you've got a song too. Great. I'll be there. I can, what? No, I got it. This is so characteristic. (laughs) (laughs) So now post-college, you made Pixie Dust your full-time job. So how do you think you established your directorial style and what made it unique? Um, well, I don't think I've changed much since I've graduated college in terms of like how I direct. I've just started doing a lot more. Um, but I think what's unique about the way that I run the company in general is that I teach, um, based on a process. Um, so I've never really been one to offer, you know, technique classes. Cause I know there are so many places doing that, but I really think there's so much value and so much to be learned, um, in a process. So I kind of try to find ways to incorporate um, skill building and stuff through a rehearsal process um, from, you know, our smaller like workshop productions all the way up to our adult productions. I think that they're, um, or I try to implement different ways in which skills are being learned and built upon um, in the guise of doing a show or under the guise of doing a show. Um, Yeah. I think that that's one of the first things that I remember you telling me like early on, maybe Les Mis era. I remember you mentioning that. And I think that that's one of the things that really stands out about the company. Absolutely. It's such a learning experience from day one to tech week and especially during tech week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a really good way to kind of go about it. Also, I just have to add that Lindsay's literally like super woman because she's directing five shows right now, which how do you keep it straight in your brain? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's been a challenge, this in particular, especially because I'm doing, I don't know why this is hard, but I'm doing two different versions of Winnie the Pooh right now, which is messing with my brain a little bit. Plus I'm doing Mamma Mia, which I've been in twice. So I've got all of the blocking and choreography from both of those previous productions in my head, plus the one that I'm doing now. Um, but the answer is, I don't know how I keep it straight. I mean, I take notes that I you've heard me in rehearsal be like, I don't know what this says. Um, but I am happiest and I'm at my best when I am busy. So, and I think I work my best when I'm busy. I was fostering puppies a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. And at the same time was beginning staging for, I think all five shows. Um, so I was holding puppies and then also like writing down choreography and staging, but I've never gotten more stuff done in a shorter period of time than when I was forced to. Um, so 
yeah, I think I work best when I'm doing a million things at once, even if it's not necessarily something I'd recommend. <laughs> Sad that it's not something you recommend because it's something that I relate to. <laughs> <laughs> I got to know, how do you like sit and come up with this stuff? Like your blocking is insane and your choreo is insane. How do you just like sit and you're, you're holding puppies in one hand and you've got your hat <laughs> in the other and you're like, you know, this is going to look great. And then it does. How does that function in your head? <laughs> it's funny because I never trust that it will. Like I, even after doing it for like 14, 15 years now, I'm still like, I don't know how this is going to come out, but I, gen I tend to be happy with things, but um, it really depends. Um, sometimes I literally just see it and it's there. And sometimes I have writer's block, but like director's block and I can't think of anything. I've actually been struggling with one scene all day and it finally clicked a couple hours ago as to what I was going to be doing. Um, but I also sometimes need to like close my eyes so that I can like literally see it in front of me. Um, I come up with some great ideas while I'm asleep, which is fascinating. Um, that's kind of how I solve this latest problem. Um, but yeah, I don't have an easy answer for that because it, it's so very, sometimes I like have to get up and move around and sometimes I can like choreograph an entire tap number from my bed. Um, it's very variable. Um, but yeah, I think I'm also working as an actor helps my directing and choreographing because it kind of gives me more inspiration or things to pull from, or even just like things that I, um, notice as an actor that I'm like, oh, I might've done this differently, but then that helps inform like a later, um, experience. That's actually been something that's been hard during this pandemic. Cause I have not been performing at all. Um, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that, yeah, the, the acting thing, I think that that's so interesting. Like <sighs> I can 1000% see as after working with you so many times, like whenever I see a show, it's like in my brain, I'm like, oh, that's something <laughs> like, you notice things. It's, it's really wild. So yeah. And I think that's like part of the reason why I love to have multiple casts because it kind of forces my casts to look at things the way that I kind of look at um, and being able to see things because we all learn in so many different ways that like some of us learn by doing things and by seeing or some kind of combination of both. Um, so having like multiple casts, I guess that's another way that makes my directorial style unique is that I so frequently have, you know, two, three, nine casts of things. Um, but kind of being able to understand things in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we do have to point out the fact that Lindsay did direct a production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown with nine casts. Ellie and I were both in it. And we still cannot figure out how you did that. It's kind of 11 casts when you count the workshop too. True. <laughs> was, yeah, it was all Charlie Brown all the time. I'm all like doing a little Charlie Brown withdrawal these days. But. <laughs> I, I give you such mad props. Like, that must have <laughs> been so, and especially for context, that was an all virtual production with green screens. Yeah. I. I give you a lot of credit, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely an interesting one, but rewarding nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. So what, another thing that I would say, I would argue stands out about your directorial style that apparently you wouldn't argue the same is how much emphasis you sort of place on the storytelling. And I know that that's a huge part of directing in a lot of ways, but that's something that I, I'm sure I can speak for me and Jesse, but just like 
the ways that you've helped us all kind of map out character and song, it's really impressive. <laughs> so I guess, how would you say you've, through the years, sort of evolved how you've, I guess, coached storytelling to your actors? Like, how has that, how do you teach that, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think going back to ways that makes my directorial style unique is that in all actuality, I direct very differently with different people um, because everybody has different ways of working and different ways of learning and different ways of comprehending. Um, you know, even today earlier at Mamma Mia, I was working with one actor who I knew I could be like, okay, you go here, 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 let's see what you do with it. And we'll talk from there. Whereas another actor would need like, okay, let's talk through this section first. And this is what you're feeling. And this is what you're thinking. And you know, how do you think you would move here or whatever? Um, so I think it just really depends on the actor. Um, and sometimes it takes me some time to like get to know the different actors. Um, but yeah, every process is different. Every person is different. Um, but it's kind of a puzzle for me to figure out how to best um, get what I'm looking for out of the actor and get the actor to give their best performance and their best um, understanding of the material um, and also to help them make sense of the material. Going again, back to Mama Mia, there's a lot in there that doesn't actually technically make sense. So we kind of have to find ways to justify it, you know, as compared to like a show with like next to normal where it's really well written and it's all kind of there for you and you just have to connect to it um, versus kind of adding your own uh, plot storyline to kind of justify some holes that are existing in certain shows. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So now going back to 2015, you ended up working with Stephen Schwartz adapting Children of Eden to a junior version. Can we just say, first of all, what a flex that is. <laughs> like, yeah, I worked with Stephen Schwartz, no big deal. Yeah, um, that was a pretty random occurrence. I was, I think I like had gone to see a movie on Christmas day because that's what we Jews do. Um, and in typical me fashion, I'd been trying to figure out what my next show was for a long time. And somehow around that time, I was like, okay, I've decided I'm doing Children of Eden. Done. Not thinking about it anymore. That's what I've decided. So I applied for the full rights and I got them. Um, but somewhere in there, I was like, why isn't this a junior version? Like it, it really should be. And because I knew I would be doing this show. I think I planned to do it with all ages, but I just thought it would be a good junior version. So I emailed, I think a couple people actually. And the first thing I heard back was, thanks for reaching out. We actually tried to make this a junior version, didn't work, but you know, best of luck to you. So I was like, okay, moving on. Um, but I had also emailed through Stephen Schwartz's website, I think. Um, and I got an email back from his assistant saying like, let's talk about this basically. Um, and was like, oh, I think there was a production and whatever. And yeah, I think I said, oh, well, I heard it hadn't gone through, but you know, I'd love to work on it, but whatever. Um, and long story short, after a few emails, suddenly I'm getting the okay to adapt it on my own and see what happens. Um, 
and at that point, I don't think I had really interacted with Steven at all. It was like his assistant. And then I started talking with people at um, MTI, Music Theater International. Um, and I eventually, I was trying to understand why the first version didn't go through and why it never came to fruition. Um, and I think they did maybe send me the script for that or gave me some information, but basically they, I got permission to just do what I wanted and then send it to them and it would go from there. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like how it happened. And then I ended up doing a reading of it at Northwestern, which actually Zach Pizer was um, one of the leads in. Um, and then I ended up directing the show that summer and then Steven Schwartz came to see it um, and liked it quite a bit. Um, and then I ended up working with him kind of over the next year to fine tune it. And we also ended up talking with the book writer um, and kind of making some final adjustments. I went with him to see several productions around the country um, and now it's licensed. That was like kind of a very roundabout answer because there's a lot of like nitty gritty details but I think that was the overarching story I love how casual this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I traveled with him around the country just watching productions with him oh no big deal as we all do we all do it I mean it's a what is it it's when is it even Wednesday it's a Wednesday night <laughs> you know we just go around the country with Stephen Schwartz we adapt a whole musical in a year yeah oh, so you put this up at Northwestern as a reading at first. So was mm -hmm. that, so that was with people who were older than you were looking to cast. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. So, so that I was guess. more to get a sense of like, A, how long is it? B, are like, are we telling the story? Because like you said, I do have, I've always had a very strong focus on storytelling. So my biggest goal when I was adapting the piece was to keep the integrity of it and to keep the arcs of the characters and to keep um, making sure that we were um, honoring the piece in its entirety, even in a shorter version. Um, so that was kind of what that reading was for. We had audience members like fill out surveys to answer, um, you know, did you feel things were missing? Were there any things that you didn't understand? Um, and ultimately, actually, from that reading, I think very few changes were made before the production um, outside of like things that I noticed. Um, it was very well received. Uh, and then, yeah, there were some things that we changed after the production. Um, things that, you know, Stephen's like, oh, maybe we should try this verse here instead of this verse. Or we like put one number earlier in the show to allow for um, the switch between young Cain and Abel and to old Cain or adult Cain and Abel, we moved it to a different part of the show to kind of see if that helped um, navigate that storyline a little better and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> so I guess what about that process was like the most exciting to you? I mean, we, we joke that that was so casual, but I'm sure it was a really surreal experience. So what was that kind of, what yeah, was it was crazy. Cause I obviously, I mean, I hadn't, I'd been kind of adapting things for years. Cause I, like I said before, I had made that like a uh, shorter version of it was Willy Wonka. 
Um, and I'd done some like little things for kids, but I'd never done something of this um, level. But um, I mean, the most exciting part was not only getting to work on a show that I'd been wanting to work on for a long time, but getting to kind of really make it my own um, in a way that I'd never had before um, and getting to kind of reconstruct this story and basically be the first person to ever do it um, was pretty cool. I didn't have to worry so much about like, I get very caught up in like making things different from other productions and finding ways to make things my own. And I didn't have those roadblocks as much because I was the first. So that was exciting as well. Yeah, it's, it's so cool that you just helped adapt a show into a junior version. Yeah. So you did that and then fast forward to 2018 and you ended up adapting Bring It On into a junior edition. So what was that like and how did it differ from Children of Eden? Yeah, that one was pretty different because it came kind of out of the blue. I'd like, you know, given um, MTI some ideas and they were like, oh yeah, we're not doing that right now. And I was like, that's fine. Um, I was actually on, I think, Soren in Disneyland um, the ride when I started getting phone calls from MTI again. And I was like, hello, <laughs> I'm like, can you hear me? I'm like in the middle of a ride. Um, and he was like, oh, I, I've thought about it. And I actually think that like, we really would like to see bring it on as a junior version or see what can happen with it. And I said, okay, great. Um, that one is really different because it was written by so many people um, that it was much more complicated and there was Steven Schwartz like really um, is connected with his shows and he's kind of stayed involved with them throughout their progression. Like he will still go see productions of Godspell all the time and stuff. Um, and there wasn't the same connection with Bring It On. Um, so like while the uh, original authors knew it was happening or at least I'm told that they were, they were, they were, they were not as involved in like the development process or coming to see it um, live anyway. Uh, so it was a little bit more complicated um, in the sense that I wasn't getting a lot of feedback, but it was probably one of the most well-received shows I've ever done in term by our audiences and our performers actually. Um, so it was exciting in a different way. I was also the cheerleading terrified me, um, which, I think also terrified MTI a little bit, um, but it was still probably one of the best shows I've ever done, so. And I think that everybody that was in that show can attest to just the magic of that, like, wish I had seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I got the DVD, you can borrow it. I might take you up on that. <laughs> um, don't really have a lot of plans this weekend, so. <laughs> so I guess you mentioned the cheerleading was terrifying. Um, how did you circumnavigate that <laughs> and make that a little bit less terrifying throughout the process? I think that's a huge hurdle, especially in the smaller space. <laughs> yeah. Um, really cool stunts in it. So yeah, we started doing like cheer workshops. I did not run any of them. I am not qualified to do that. I only delegated that to people who are qualified, which I don't know if you guys know this, but Heather is a former cheer coach, Heather Templeson. 
Um, so that's wicked cool. <laughs> yeah. So she actually had brought somebody in and then she was helping a lot with it as well. And we did have a few people in the cast who had more experience with cheer. Um, but it was a lot of rehearsals, a lot of adjustments to make sure that everybody felt comfortable. Um, and before every single show, we had a whole like stunt call and we'd run everything. And if anything wasn't feeling great, we would not do it that day. The person who was supposed to be our cheer captain ended up not being able to cheer by the time the show happened. So there was a whole, we had to, had, we brought in actually some like all-star cheerleaders. I don't even know, remember what they were, but they were like 12 years old. They were the tiniest things, but like the best cheerleaders in the show. Um, it, yeah, it was, I think I've kind of blocked some of it out of my mind because I was like a stress ball all the time because it was not my area of expertise. And I knew that going in. So I knew I wanted to <laughs> pass that off. I was like, I'll do the choreography around the cheerleading. Um, but yeah, it happened. It looks cool. <laughs> it looked so cool. So we've obviously talked a lot about the directing side of it, but you've also acted in a bunch of musicals. So what would you say is one of your, like some of your favorite roles that have stood out to you? Um, well, I would say 2019 was a really good year for me as an actor. Um, I had not performed in a while. Um, and then I ended up on a whim auditioning for a production of Mamma Mia. I had literally been at the theater working on a set build for one of the shows I was directing. I don't actually remember which one. Um, and then I was like, oh, it's happening like 10 minutes away. Maybe I'll just go and audition. Um, so I ended up playing Sophie in that, which was just so much fun and a great reintroduction back into like the performing world. Um, Cause it was a role that came very naturally to me. Um, and then I really challenged myself the same year by somehow ending up in a production of a chorus line. Um, I don't, I do not consider myself to be a dancer. I can dance, but I don't consider myself to be like a dancer dancer. Um, so that production terrified me. It was also a three week process and it was very far away. So I ended up like living in a hotel by the theater for most of the process. Um, so, but that happened. So that really pushed me as a dancer. Um, and also for that show, you're like on stage for the entire show pretty much. Um, so that was like another challenge. Um, and then I also did Next Normal that year, which was a show that I wanted to do for a very long time. Um, but I knew it challenged me as an actor, which I hadn't really gotten. I have not really had the opportunity to play many roles that challenged me. I tend to get cast in roles that are similar to myself, which is great. Um, and Natalie, the character I played does have a lot of similarities to me, but also, um, a lot of differences. So it was really exciting to be able to explore that. And I think, um, that helped push me as an actor. And then I finished up the year playing Sophie again in Mamma Mia. So it was a nice, like full circle year for me. And then I have not performed since. So <laughs> that was a good year. And then, you know, also I got I got to perform with Lindsay and mommy the second time. And I was like our first time ever doing a show together. And that, that, was, that was your first, how is that possible? <laughs> like where we're both just performing and it was so much fun. Yeah, that is true, I guess. We had many long, long car rides because the theater was not close. 
Yeah, I gotta start doing shows that are more conveniently located to me. Lindsay, stop doing things down the shore, but actually keep doing things that are like a chorus line because you were so good in that role. Thank you. And she played Maggie. And if you know the song at the ballet, you know that is not an easy song. And she crushed it. And it's it. funny because that was the thing that was like the least of my concerns. I was like, oh yeah, I could sing this song. It's everything else that's stressful. <laughs> Genuinely, I think that Jesse, we bring that up, we bring that up way more than we should. But that was just such a good production. We'll never shut up about it. So good. That was a good one. So next to normal too, seeing that production, that was the first time that I had ever seen the show. Whew, that show is so good. <laughs> yeah, good. It's, it's always been one of my favorites. So it was nice to get to actually be in it. Yeah. So you mentioned that Natalie was a bit of a challenging part. I guess what made that such a big undertaking in particular, obviously, I mean, next normal isn't going to be cake in any capacity but what about Natalie kind of was the most challenging um so Natalie starts the show very similar to myself um where she's doing a million things at once and is very um focused on academics and um the arts she plays piano um but quickly kind of goes off the path um and starts taking her mother's drugs, um, among other things, and kind of goes off the deep end a little bit. Um, so those are kind of the areas that I was like, I don't do those things. <laughs> and so kind of pushing myself to be like, okay, well, what would happen if I like did fall off that cliff or, you know, how can I relate, um, to, and I could re, lead to her in the sense of like what she was feeling mentally without the drugs but um and also I don't have um a mother with bipolar disorder and all the other things that were going on in her family life I don't want to spoil the show too much um but yeah so finding things about myself that could ground me in the character but then also kind of taking it to other levels, adding in the many elements of that show. Absolutely. And you did an amazing job with it, 1,000%. <laughs> yeah. So coming off of 2019, this lovely kind of full circle year, bookending yeah. it with Sophie, and then we have 2020, everyone's favorite year. Yep. You were a light in this pandemic for so many of us. Like, Seriously, it was incredible how quickly you shifted to this whole virtual format. And I can, I think, speak for everybody that has been involved that like that was so huge for so many of us. And also, if not for you, Emily and I wouldn't be friends, which is Very true. Amazing. Well, there you go. And then you wouldn't have this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> the full circle. The whole circle. Really full circle. <laughs> so how did you make that shift so quickly and maintain that throughout the year? How did virtual hybrid theater has obviously been a challenge. Like how have you made that happen? Yeah, it's been kind of an ongoing evolution, but um, I think right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of stuck. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, I guess we did keep rehearsing something rotten. So that was interesting, but like we went into that process kind of being like, okay, maybe we'll be in person again by May, which obviously we were not. Um, so that was, I guess, my first foray in trying to 
figure out how to teach virtually, which I don't know actually how it went, but we seemed to learn choreography. Um, we made a video that involved some sort of staging. Um, hopefully one day that show will come to fruition. Um, I was also making a lot of like parody videos, which was me kind of forcing myself to like stay engaged and stay um, involved in performing or just doing things artistic, um, which sort of actually led me into understanding a little bit more about like video production and like kind of, oh no, who's calling me? My mother. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's kind of how I started figuring out how I would eventually um, put together virtual productions or videos. I did um, a little do re mi parody um, of wash your hands. So I ended up getting a bunch of kids involved and having them film stuff at home. And I kind of taught them on Zoom and then sent them sample videos and then put that together, um, which then later informed kind of like the workshops that I ended up doing last summer, which um, resulted in like 10 to 15 minute videos about different shows. Um, and it just each each thing that has happened has kind of taught me more for the next thing. So even like, for example, for Charlie Brown, we learned how difficult it was for everyone to film at home on their green screens and get footage that was usable. Um, as you may have seen, some of the videos came out better than others, depending on how well directions were followed, et cetera. So for Shrek, we're trying to take some of the um, variables out by filming still in front of green screens, but we'll be the ones filming at a set location um, where we can control the lighting and we can control um, what type of backgrounds are being used and uh, what type of cameras are we can at least see and make sure that the camera settings are correct and all of that stuff. And we'll find out if it works. I think it'll hopefully be a positive step forward. Um, to be determined. So I guess Shrek, how has this, I'm not involved in Shrek for the first time in a while, I'm not in the show. How has that been going? And I guess, how has that process been different from Charlie Brown? You kind of talk about, obviously now you're filming. Yeah. Or doing the filming rather than us doing the filming. But aside from that, kind of how has Shrek been different? <laughs> um, it's been different in the sense that because we know that we're going to be in person, it's made Zoom rehearsals a lot harder um, because I find myself being like, oh, well, it'll make more sense in person. And then we just kind of skip over things, but getting to do things in person because we've been rehearsing um, outdoors at Camp Riverbend has been so exciting because even though we're not like doing the show live, um, the actors are still able to kind of better interact with one another. Um, even though they're like six feet apart apart on their like pretend green screens, um, they're at least able to kind of better see what the other person's doing and certainly have a better sense of which direction everybody's in, um, which has always been a difficult thing on Zoom. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest way in which it's been different is we can kind of be like, okay, so like this is where you would be if we were all together so that hopefully when we film it, people will have a better um, sense of where to look when somebody's talking and that kind of thing. Yeah. So you've talked about like briefly a bunch of the things that you've done over the past year because you've done a lot of virtual stuff. 
like what do you think stands out to you the most, whether it's a show or just an experience in the past year? Um, probably Charlie Brown. I feel like that was like my big, um, I had thought about doing Charlie Brown for so, so many years. Um, and I don't even know if you know this, but I had been trying to get the rights to it for quite some time. Um, and it was supposed to be the summer show. And then it was like supposed to be like the fall show. Um, and then we finally got the right suit in the winter. So it just felt like such a long time coming. Um, so yeah, and I'm very proud of what that one ended up being while I wish there were some things that um, had gone smoother or, you know, looked a little better in the end. I think overall it was a massive accomplishment. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that one. And I think that's very safe to say. I mean, that was such an ambitious undertaking and it did end up looking really, really impressive in the end. That was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of looking holistically and wrapping it up a little bit, um, I think that it's very safe to say, speaking on Jesse's and my behalf and largely pretty much everybody I've spoken to, <laughs> you've really instilled a love in the arts in so many of us. And I think that it's really incredible to sort of see the interactions that you've had with your actors and people you've worked with. Just, you've made so many of us love theater in so many ways. Why do you think the arts are so important and how do you kind of keep that magic that you have that you can then share with us alive in you? I think the arts are so important because they're about so much more than just singing and dancing. Those are things that we do. Um, but I mean, I kind of said this in the beginning, but I was extremely shy as a child um, and it completely pulled me out of my shell. It taught me how to understand emotion. It taught me how to um, make friends to, uh, build my confidence. Um, and I've seen it do the same things and more in so many um, kids, teens, adults. Um, there are just so many ways of life in which um, theater and the arts in general really play such a strong role. Um, I've seen it in my brothers who, you know, have speech issues and like, I've been recording with Connor and you can understand every word that he's saying because he's been practicing in he's eight years old and he was recording lines. And he goes, no, I didn't sound excited enough when I said that line. And just seeing that he is learning and able to read better. And he now wants to be reading because he wants to read his whole script. And it's just, there's a million ways in which um, doing a show, which sounds so simple, um, can help in just so many so many different ways, again, from time management to um, interacting with people of all different parts of life and just, I could go on forever. Um, but yeah, the arts are very important. Yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> and that makes me mushy. <laughs> so last question, we love to end on this one, but you know, you're talking about we've gone through your whole life, basically. <laughs> what piece of advice would you give to smaller, shyer Lindsay as she's going into the future and the crazy life that you now lead? I think it's the same advice that I give before every show, which is treasure every moment. Um, 
And I know I personally have a really hard time living in the moment. I'm always trying to figure out what's next, what's going on, what, what do I need to be thinking about? Um, so I think that's part of the reason that I give that advice so often is that especially now um, coming out of 2020 and kind of still navigating through this pandemic is I am so grateful for all of the theater experiences that I've had. Um, and I, some of them wish I had treasured them more in the moment um, when they were happening. So that is the advice that I would give to just really do your best to live in the moment and enjoy everything while it's happening. Um, because the good and bad thing about theater is that it does not last forever. And it's, um, we're always on to a new process and a new experience. Um, so it gives us even more reason to enjoy the moments while we have them. Yeah, absolutely. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing the classic speech very soon <laughs> and crying then too. <laughs> But I think that that's the perfect note to end on. Lindsay, it's been so cool getting to talk to you. We've wanted to do this for so long. Truly, you are beyond inspirational. And we're so grateful for all that you do for all of us and all of the crazy theater kids that you deal with. <laughs> and thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> to connect with Pixias Players, be sure to follow at Pixias Players on Instagram and visit the Facebook page of the same name or visit pixiasplayers.org for more information about future programming. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye.